Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So as we continue our sermon series, God at Work, we've been talking about how God works both in and through us, and specifically kind of zooming in on the idea of vocation, or the various roles, the places God has put us. And with each vocation comes a certain level of power and authority. For parents, you guys have a certain level of authority. If uh, your, your kids are older, you have a little bit less authority. But you, you do still have some in that role that God has given you. If you're an employee, you have a certain amount of power in whatever your role is. If you're an employer, you have an even greater level of power and an even greater level of authority. Every vocation that we have comes along with it with power and authority and an amount of freedom to choose what am I going to do with that. Because really, that's the question that I'd like us to consider Today, with the vocations, the roles, the places God has put us, comes with power, comes with authority. But the question is, what do I do with that? What do I do with this freedom God has given me in the various places he has put me? One of the times I first remember wrestling with this uh, question was when I was in high school. See, my, my senior year of high school was kind of my first taste of power and authority because I was elected band president. I mean, talk about power, talk about authority, band president. In fact, after uh, I, I became uh, band president, one of my uh, buddies came out to me and he goes, you know, if you're ha- having trouble making uh, these decisions, you just need to remember one thing. You're band president. You do what you want. Talk about power. Talk about authority. And, and so later on, we, we kind of get to the actual start of the year, and I'm waiting in line like everyone else uh, to get our meal, and buddy comes up to me. He goes, remember what I said? I'm band president. I do what I want. You don't need to wait in line. Just, just go, go, go get your meal. All right, and so I, I had power. I, I had authority. I had this freedom to use it, and so I did what any teenager would do. We organized a dodgeball tournament. If anyone asks, they say, I'm being president. I, I do what I want. And so after a rehearsal one day, 60 of us went into our gym, played dodgeball. Not a teacher, not an administrator in sight. And let me tell you, it went really, really well. Let me rephrase that. It was going really, really well. It's so well, in fact, that, that I, I thought, I, I'm going to go grab a drink. I'm going to kind of take a, a breath for a minute, and things will be just fine. I'm out in the hallway, grab a drink, and, and I, I'm in my head and going, man, this is going awesome, right? And I'm out in the hallway for about a minute. I walk back in the gym, and in the minute I was gone, surely nothing bad could happen with 60 unsupervised teenagers, Right? No, in that minute, one of my buddies went into the janitor's closet, pulled out a 12-foot ladder, climbed up on the top of it, and was throwing dodgeballs in the middle of the gym from on top of a ladder. 
Now, a couple months earlier, I would have looked at it and go, that's hilarious. Way to go, buddy. But remember, I was band president. I had power. I had authority. And with that came a sense of responsibility. See, at that moment, I realized I can't just tell the administration if something terribly happens in this incident. I'm sorry, guys. I don't know what to tell you. I'm band president. I do what I want. That's not going to cut it. See, no longer could I just think about my own interest or what I wanted. And so I had to talk him down from the ladder. We, we put it away and we moved on from there. See, our tendency in whatever role that we have is I have power and authority. And who do I want to use it for? Me. I'm band president. I do what I want. I'm dad. I'm mom. At some point, I want to do what I want. I'm in charge of the company. I'm running the show. I do what I want. This is how we, in our sinful condition, this is how we want to deal with the people around us. Because what we really want is when we look at our needs, and we look at the needs of the people around us to go, no, I come first. My needs are more important. And really what happens in that is we make a distinction between us and the people around us. Is actually because I'm so worried about myself, the way I then view the people around me is you're not as important as me. You don't matter quite as much because I have freedom and so I'm just going to do what I want to do. And it comes so natural to us, we don't even recognize we're doing it most of the time. And this is what Paul is pushing back against in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Now, I know many of you, when you were driving to church today, you were remembering, all right, I got to park on this side, and that's what you're thinking of. But the other thing you were probably thinking about today was, okay, so for lunch, we're going to have sausage from the sausage supper. Now, for dinner, should we have food offered to idols? And you're, you're, you're trying to figure that out, and you go, man, I really hope the reading at church today talks about food sacrificed to idols, because I have this dilemma. I'm thinking about going to the, to the nearest pagan temple to pick up a Zeus burger, and I'm not sure exactly if that's what I... No, we, we hear this reading from 1 Corinthians 8, and we go, I don't know what they're talking about. We, we don't deal with food offered to idols. But what Paul is teaching here, he has a specific incident in mind in Corinth. But for us today to, to be impacted by this word, we don't have to worry about this specific incident. Actually, what he has to teach teaches us what do we do with the freedom that we have in our various vocations? What's the question we should primarily look for? Because our default answer is, what do I want? And what Paul offers us is a different question to ask. See, in Corinth, there was this issue with food that was being offered to idols. Uh, many of the believers were converts from these pagan religions, worshiping either the Greek or the Roman gods. And, and what they would do is they would offer these sacrifices so that the aroma would be pleasing to Zeus, to whatever god that they were trying to appease. And what mattered was the aroma. So what do you do with the meat? Well, you, you make Zeus burgers. Or at least that's what I th assume that they called them. You know, you, you, 
they, they would take the food, they would eat it either in the temple or they would sell it and people would eat it in their homes. And this was a reminder, this was actually an act of worship towards that idol. So now those who have been converted from paganism to worshiping the one true God, they were struggling with the idea of, of eating meat that was originally offered towards one of these pagan gods that they had turned away from. And the, the, the stronger Christian, the, the one who had, was more mature in the faith, looked at that and goes, well, th- those gods don't exist. That's, that's what Paul says in the text. Th- those gods don't exist. You're free to do whatever you want. Now, the problem comes is when you go, well, I have freedom. It's not against God's law. And so I don't care what anyone else thinks. I'm going to do what I want. And Paul invites us as disciples of Jesus Christ to ask a different question. Instead of, am I free to do it? And then say, what what do I want to do? Paul says, no, first ask, am I free to do it in, in the law of God? But the second question is, how does what I do impact the people around me? In particular, those that are weak, those that are in need. He said, that's the question that you ask. And then at the end, maybe you think about, well, how does this impact me? What are my preferences? Whatever. But the first question we ask is, how does this impact those who are around me that are in need? Because in our pride, we want to put ourselves above others. Well, my needs are more important, which means you don't matter. But Paul has just said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 that you are not your own. You were bought with a price. And that means that life matters. That life is precious. And so the way we treat others in everyday life actually matters. Instead of looking down at people, overlooking their needs, only thinking ourselves, Paul says, no, what, what we do is what our God does to those who are weak, is we reach down and we pull up those who are weak. That's why Paul says at the beginning of our text, this knowledge puffs up, but love builds The question isn't, how can I get what I want? The question is, who can I build up? Who is being overlooked? Who is being pressed down? Who is weak? Who is in need that I can build up with the love of Christ? Because life is precious to God. It's why in the various vocations we have, we give thanks for those who are serving in, in ways that, that promote and that protect and that preserve life. Those of you that serve in the healthcare field, those of you serve in the area of mental health, working with people with special needs, helping deal with crisis pregnancies, with those who are in need of food, helping care for people at the end of their life. Those vocations matter. That is God at work because life is precious. Life is precious to God. So thank you 
for, for all of those that, that you serve in one of your vocations in that capacity to lift up, to build up the weak through your skills, through the love of God and Jesus Christ. And for all of us in our vocations, in the various roles, the places God has put us, to ask that question, who can I build up? Who are the needy around me? And how can I lift them up through the love of God? That's the question that we ask, not how can I do what I want. But there's actually a deeper problem going on here. There are times where we need to be reminded, hey, life isn't about you. You're called to serve those that God has placed in your life. But the deeper problem is actually, for many of us, we hear this text and we go, good advice, Paul. I should serve the weaker brother. In fact, that's what I've been doing. And you know what? I've been pouring out into others, but no one's been pouring into me. And I'm exhausted. I'm spent. I've got nothing left. So thanks, Paul, for your advice to keep going, to keep serving the weak. But what about me? See, the the deeper problem, this deeper issue here, actually, I think, impacts us maybe even more often. Instead of thinking so much about our own needs, we actually neglect our own needs. We ignore the fact that we need something because we become so convinced that I have to have it all together. Because if I fall apart, who's going to hold my family together? Who's going to hold the business together? Who's going to take care of all the things that need to get done? I can't fall apart because I'm the glue that's holding everything together. I'm the one on whom everyone else relies. I can't show weakness because I have to be strong for everyone else. And it sounds good. It sounds altruistic. But notice what the common denominator is between all of these excuses. I I'm holding things together. I have to be strong. I, I, I. All this is, is a rephrasing of, I'm band president. I'm the dad. I'm, I'm the owner. I'm whatever. I do what I want. You see, both in over-importance on our own needs and desires and a neglect of our own needs They're two sides of the same coin of pride. It's either what I want matters or I'm the only one that can do it all. Both of it is the issue of pride. And what Paul invites us into on on the one side is to look not for ourselves but to look for those who are weak. But when we're in the other camp and all we've been thinking about is the people around us, Paul actually invites us into something really vulnerable, something that doesn't sit well with us as independent Americans. What Paul outlines in 1 Corinthians 8 is this. It's okay to be the weaker brother or sister sometimes. 
I think some of you need to hear the permission Paul is giving here. It's okay to be the weaker brother or sister. Sometimes it's okay to be at need. It's okay to not have everything all together. Because here's the truth. You're not the one holding all things together. You're not the, the glue that is keeping everything secure in your family, in your business, in your school, in your community. This is what Paul says in Colossians chapter 1. Jesus is before all things. And in Him, all things hold together. Jesus is the one that everything depends on. He is the one that is holding all things. And that means you don't have to. That means you and I, when we're in need, we can be the weaker brother or sister. We can cry out to our God and say, Lord, help me. Lord, I need you. That's why we're gathered here in God's house, not as people who are holding life together, who are the ones that everyone else rely on, but as people who come here and go, Lord, I need you. And God meets you here in his true presence. He says, this is given and shed for you. Because you matter. Because you need the gifts that God offers. See, so many of us, we know the right things. Right? Every time you get an air, on an airplane, they tell you, you have to put your own mask on before you can help someone else. Right? We know what we're, what we're doing, that, that we're burnt out, that we can't sustain it. We, this knowledge puffs up. We don't need more knowledge. Paul says knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. See, what we need when we're poured out, when we're empty, when we're stretched so thin... We don't need the realization that there's a problem. We need love to build us up. That's what God gives to you in word and sacrament as he pours his love into you. But God also wants to work to build you up through the people around you. And so one question to ask yourself is do the people around me know what I need. Do the people around me know I'm struggling, know I'm, I'm just barely holding on, that above the surface things look great, but below the surface I'm fighting just to stay afloat? Do the people around me know? Because our, our, our tendency is to go, well, they should know. It should be obvious. They should be able to read my mind. They should be able to see that I'm stressed. No, if we set aside kind of our, our mind reading games or our passive-aggressive comments that we throw at one another, have we actually invited those that God has placed in our lives to care for us? Have we invited them in to our need? Do the trusted people that God has placed in our lives to care for me, do they, do they know what you're, what you're dealing with? Do they know uh, how, how stressed out you are? Do they know what you need? God invites us not just to bring those needs to him, but also to bring it to his people. Because what we do as God's people when we see a weaker brother or sister in need, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. 
God has placed us in that weaker brother or sister's life, maybe for a season, maybe for a lifetime, that we may pour into them, that we may build them up with the love of God in Jesus Christ. That's God at work. God works through us as we value life in the various places that he has put us. But God also works in us as he pours his love into our lives, as he uses the people around us to build us up. The knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. May we be builders, not of our own kingdom, but of the kingdom of God who laid his life down for you and for me because you matter. In the name of Jesus, Amen. Now may the peace of God, which guards our hearts and your minds, be with you until the day he comes. Amen. This time